Hallelujah. Uh, I just want to say again that it's uh, a real honor. Uh, I consider it a, a privilege to be able to uh, to be here to share and to uh, uh, thank you, Pastor, for opening up this. It's a it's a responsibility. Uh, whenever um, you speak into someone's life, it's it's a responsibility that we have, and so I don't take that lightly at all. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Let's pray. Praise God. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the presence of God in this place. We thank you for the anointing to be able to minister, that, that the Holy Ghost is our teacher. Praise God. He's our helper. And we're heavenly dependent upon him. Praise God. That my mouth would be like a tongue of a ready writer as I proclaim this too good to be true news. That Jesus be glorified in all that's said and done. Jesus be glorified. Amen. And we thank you for that. Yah, we give you praise. We thank you for sacred secrets uh, being revealed tonight as we bring the fertile soil of our hearts to receive this incorruptible seed. It's faith food. Praise God. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. Well, last week we um, kind of did the fire hose effect. <laughs> uh, I didn't really mean to do that. I, I, I just kind of go with, try to get in the zone and go with whatever we're doing here. Um, uh, but, but tonight we're going to try to, uh, to teach. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But, but anyway, we're talking about being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And it's so, so important to uh, partake of the goodness of God, the blessing of God, which Jesus already bought and paid for, all the promises of God, all the different things. And first, we, of course, when we're first born again, uh, we are, and it should be, our focus is on us. How do we get a hold of what's in here so that it manifests out here, right? Our focus. And some people, which they should, but some people never leave that spot. They're always, all their Christian life, the whole focus is on them. And how do I get this thing to manifest in my life? And they never, they never get any further than that. And so, uh, which is, it's a shame. And we talked a lot about the fertile soil of our hearts. That's part of it. Speaking and declaring what God says about it is that's part of it. And then the list goes on and on and on. But, but um, there is so much more to that. And we really need to find out about that. To leave the old hearers only and to get into the doing of the word. So it, this is a scripture that I started with last week. We'll start again with it. Mark 4, 23. If any man has ears to hear, let him listen, and, and let, uh, let him listen, and let him receive and comprehend. This is out of the Amplified. And he said unto them, you know, and like I said last week, we all have ears to hear, but it's not hearing with this ear. See, we leave the natural realm. This thing is by the Spirit. And what I mean is, is that it has to get into our hearts so that we can proclaim it and speak it out of our mouth. That, that's how you got born again. That's how all of it works, is that same way. That it, the, the revelation gets in you 
by the Spirit. He's our teacher. And so when we lend ourselves to him in this word, what, it, he'll begin to speak to us this word, it, you know, in a lot of different ways. And as he does, and then we speak it so that in the challenges of life, we're not murmuring, complaining, speaking about the worry and the fear and all that. What, he, what is he? The enemy is real good at dragging us, even though he's defeated. He has no power, no authority. But he's real good at tricking us, dragging us over into the natural, the soulish realm. So we begin to speak out of the soulish realm. Huh? We begin to, what, the sense realm, we're saying exactly what we have, we're saying exactly what's going on, we're wringing our hands, what are we going to do? He, he wants us over there, because there, that's where we're defeated. But if we'll stay in the spirit with it, with the word of God alive in our hearts, then we'll say, wait a minute, this isn't God, and we'll say what God says about it. And when we say that, he said it already. It's a rhema word. Now we're speaking it and declaring it. It becomes the two-edged sword, right? And he, it keeps him defeated. We're not trying to whip him. He's already defeated. What does it do? It enforces the victory that Jesus won 2,000 years ago. It enforces that victory every time. Every time. So that needs to be alive and stirring. That's kind of like what we sort of... See, it's being dominated by your spirit not your soul. There's a whole lot of believers are they're dominated. They live in the natural realm. And we do need to live there. I mean, we work, we raise children, we mow grass, we, you know, whatever we do. But we, so it's the natural. But not to be dominated in that. We, we get so into an intimacy with the Word. We get impregnated. You know, there's a place in here, and I didn't write it down, where the Word of God is the sperma of God. And we get impregnated, just like Mary, when the angel appealed to her. Be it done unto me according to thy word. That's what our heart is when we go to the word. We go to the word. We ask the spirit of God, the teacher, shine the light. Bring some revelation. Sacred secrets, whatever that would be. My portion for today, whatever that would be. And, and we get impregnated with the word so that we can what bear fruit we we bear fruit what the word of god is saying in our lives hallelujah good stuff so so anyway let me get right back to this <clears throat> and he said unto them be careful what you are hearing the measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear see we're measuring it out to ourselves god's not measuring it out to us we are. We're measuring out. The thought and the study you give to the truth will be the, the measure of virtue as power and knowledge as revelation. See, it's not intellectual knowledge. That doesn't go very far. It's, it's fine to have it in there, but there has to be a place where you open your heart and you allow it in. And it begins, that's where it really bears fruit. That's where it begins to manifest. That's where you get into the supernatural. That's where he can, you call things be not as though they are. That's where you see how faith works and love works and all the things that he's placed within us and he's already accomplished it all. And all that begins to work in our lives. And we begin to say, glory to God. We're blessed beyond measure. And we really are. It begins to manifest in our lives. It's not like, how do, what? You know, and it's not boring. It's, it's exciting. It, it's a reason to get up in the morning. There's a passion. There's a zeal. It's like electricity 
flowing in you, going in you. Of course, you got to keep yourself filled. Yeah, be being filled with the Spirit, of course. Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, we measure that back, that, that um, power and that uh, revelation knowledge. We're measuring it to ourselves. We really are. Hallelujah. Very, very important. You know, a lot of us, we're wanting God to do it. He's saying to us, if we'll listen to him, I've already done it. Hallelujah. The ball's in your court. Okay, first uh, Timothy 2. Now I want to take this, I want to change gears here. I want to take this to a different level. Uh, as we continue in that lifestyle, what's going to happen is we're going to begin to mature. We are. We're going to begin to mature. If we'll keep this word life, this coming to, with body. You know, we're all born from the womb of God. So you all are related, right? You're all brothers and sisters. And so as you keep hanging out with brothers and sisters in the Lord, you keep in having a word life. What happens eventually is the grace, meaning the gifts, the callings, the anointing that he's placed in your life will begin to show up. It'll begin to bear fruit. Whatever it would be, right? Whatever that is. It, it, and then you, what do you do? You, you reach for that. You begin to step into that. Hallelujah. You begin to step in. And as you do, uh, this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. In, in 2 Timothy 2.20. 2 Timothy 2.20. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we're talking about golden vessels here. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and of earthen vessels. I call them mud pots. And some are honor, some dishonor. Uh, and some are uh, menial. And, and, uh, that's a different translation. Anyway, uh, the, the, the point is, is there are vessels of gold and there are, ve and there are mud pots or clay. Right, And so a lot of the times we think God is the one, or I've heard this said so many times over the years, that, well, I'm just an old mud pie. It, it's us. We choose, not God, who's the golden vessel and who's the mud pot. We choose. We're cho See, we're growing and maturing. We're making choices. What are we choosing? We're choosing intimacy with God. As I choose intimacy, and I choose intimacy with it. See, we can get as close to God as we want. He's not holding anything back. He's not the one like, well, wait a minute. I'm going to bless these over here, but now you over here, nah. You've got to jump through more hoops before I'm going to get... That's not it at all. That's not him. He's so loving. He's so wonderful. Amen. It's our choices. Our choices are, are what causes us to... To grow and to mature and to be that golden vessel that it's talking about there. The glory of God is poured out through the, uh, the signs and the wonders and the miracles. And the glory of God is poured out through the, uh, through the uh, golden vessel. And we can all be that. We can all choose to be that golden vessel. Hallelujah. And so verse, let's read uh, uh, verse 21 there. Verse 21. Thank you, Jesus. If a man therefore purge himself... From these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto uh, the greater work. So it's the man that purges himself. And that's not saying that we have to do the works, because anything that we do with our, uh, with our um, ability, with our uh, some way or another we're able to uh, 
work it out and we're going to do it. If it would accomplish anything at all, what would that do? It'd build pride, right? Look what I did. That's not it. It's lending yourself to the Spirit. See, you see this in the Word, and I mentioned, I might have mentioned this last week. He'll show you something in the Word. So we're talking about being a golden vessel here. He'll, he'll, he'll show you in that, 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 for you to be that. Well, then right away, a lot of believers will say, you know, how, how can I, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And with their own willpower, they try to some way or another figure out how can I be the golden vessel, you know. But that's not it at all. He's shown it to you. Why? In this purging yourself and all that, it all has to do with Him doing the work in you. The Spirit of God doing the work in us. Praise God. And He's bringing us up to maturity. It's just talking about maturity here. Growing in Him, praise God. Growing in Him. The glory of God, I want to, that, I, I like this, uh, this translation. There, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, you talk about the glory, you go, well, what is the glory of God? And there's, I'm sure a lot of different people said a lot of different things about it. But th this is one that I like. The, the glory of God is the goodness of God extravagantly in extravagant manifestation. It's the wow factor in you and through you. The wow factor. Hallelujah. It's the blessing of God, the goodness of God in extravagant, extravagant, praise God, manifestation. Not just a little crumb. Well, here's a little crumb. No, it's extravagant. That's the glory of God poured out on the body of Christ. Amen. And, and in the end of the end of the age, which we're in, the greater glory is going to be manifesting, right? And it is now, I would say, the greater glory in manifestation, manifestation. Well, the, the folks that are the, um, that have what purged themselves, that what it is, is they have a relationship with the spirit and with the word of God and with Jesus, you know, they had this relationship, this walking and talking hanging out. I think I'll go hang out with the Spirit of God for a while. You ever hear? Come on, let's go hang out with the Holy Ghost. You know, th that kind of thing. They had that going on with him. They know him. Remember we talked about last week about walking in the Spirit, or that's living. It's really a stroll in the Spirit. And you spend so much time there, and I compared it to um, getting up and going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You know, in the, you don't have to turn on the light. You know where all where the furniture is. Well, you spent so much time with him. You know him in such a deep manner. And there, it's like, it's never a place where we've arrived. It's always, we're still growing in this. It's not like, oh, well, been there, done that. Hey, hey, I, uh-uh, no, no, we're, we're still growing. We're still longing after all these years. We're still longing. Hallelujah. We're still loving on him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, to become a golden vessel, it'd be, it's, it's a commitment, it's a dedication, it's a separation from the world in its ways. What it is, that would be the curse. We're separated from the curse, and we're living in the blessing. Hallelujah. Living in the blessing, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And so in the midst of that, what it's going to take from us is courses to believe. But another thing, and we were talking about this this afternoon, 
is it's going to take obedience. Obedience has got a bad rap, but really it's not. It's wonderful to, to obey, right? To obey. And, you know, a lot of them, um, they'll substitute, say, happiness, for example. Uh, they, they, we, as believers, a lot of times, we get trapped in this where we try to create our own happiness. We're not happy. We try to create it all. Well, really... Uh, that's going the world's way because if, if, if this obedience right here will take you to a place uh, of joy that it's, it's, uh, it's unending. You know, it, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a, a harvest of the Spirit. Uh, this joy is that I'm speaking of. And, and a part of that joy, there's happiness in it. And so for us to create, create our own happiness... Is, is a blunder. It's a mistake. It's going the world's way. Whereas if we'll be obedient to him and what he's speaking to us in his word and, and hanging out with him, if, we're, if we'll do that, there'll be a joy. It'll be a fruit of the Spirit. Let's, let's talk about that. Galatians 5.22, it talks about the, it's a harvest. See, it's really, it's fruit, but it's fruit that's been already plucked. So if you look this up, it's a harvest of the Spirit. And it's not the Holy Spirit, it's your spirit. So as we grow and mature, we grow and this comes forth from us. It's the, it's the Jesus within us coming forth. Praise God. And so let's look at them. The love, joy, and the peace, is it that, that begins to harvest first. And the love, joy, and the peace is for you and for me. For the individual, love, joy, peace is for us. That's the manifestation, the harvest of this, your born-again spirit that's manifesting. Then, beyond that, it goes, and there's different translations say it differently, but it's patience, kindness, and gentleness. That's the, man, the harvest of the spirit for ministry, for others. For others. That's the one. And so, if we're not mature... And we begin to jump in it. That's why we don't need to have a novice in ministry. Because they don't have this harvest of the Spirit. They don't have the patience, kindness, gentleness. So whenever you deal with people, this needs to be, what, harvesting in your life. It needs to be there. And it will be there as you hang out with him. And then it goes on to faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. That's our harvest, that we, how we minister to our Abba Father. And so they're separated. You see that? And some, they, they get into the love, joy, and peace, and they just live there. All their Christian life, it's all about them. And so when it comes to happiness, it's all about them. And, and so, so they really don't want to be obedient or it's difficult for them to be obedient because they think that that would hinder their happiness. What it is is there's a suke life that we have. It's the self life. You ever heard of that? Suke, it's the self life. Well, that, the, that, not, not, that, that's the only thing. But it's denying ourselves and kind of like picking up the cross, so to speak. It, there will be times when we need to sacrifice. There will be times when we need to uh, humble ourselves, to mortify the deeds uh, of the flesh. 
uh, it's really a refinement that's taking place in all of us. A refine if we let it. Now we can stop it at any time, right? And and what we don't want to, we desire. And, and there, there are times where um, we mess up, of course. You know, and, and the, the self life tries to rise up and all that. We're, we're all we're all work in progress, right? But this this is kind of like what's taking place here uh, in our lives. Praise God as we go. And uh, the humbling of yourself uh, isn't exactly what some people. You know, they have, well, I don't want to go there. It's going to take too long. Praise God. I want to get here into this. And uh, this is an example in Second Tim, chapter 2, 1 and 3. Now, his, this is talking about Timothy and the ministry that he had. Now, <clears throat> and there are challenges. Whenever you feel... The call of God or you recognize these this grace on your life and you begin to step out and you begin to whatever it would be whatever it is to minister uh, and, and God's in the people business so it's going to somehow or another encourage build up edify and somewhere help in some way people that's because he's in the people's business but here we see this this is an example and this is uh, first I'll talk about the history of this if you remember uh, Paul began this birth, this church, and, uh, and he put, after he was there a while, and this is where we see over in uh, Acts 19, where Paul got into a level of the supernatural that he had never been before. That's where we get the doctrine about uh, anointing the cloths, prayer cloths, anointing with oil, and they go out. Really, it's called, if you look it up, a piece of the power. Here's a piece of the power. Take it home to grandma and put it on her, and then we're going to pray over it. That anointing is tangible. It'll go into her, boom, and she'll receive deliverance, healing, whatever it is, okay? And so that's where we get that, and it's true. It works. We've done that for years, and it works. If you've got faith there, it'll work. It'll work. And so, so here, uh, uh, Ephesus, this is the church's name, and, and he birthed the church there, and then after a while, he gave the church to Timothy, that's why he wrote these letters and, um, to Timothy. Because right away the church began to explode and have growth. I mean, but there was a lot of doctrine that was off. This is the first Timothy. A lot of doctrine, a lot of situations. They were going through a lot of problems. That's where he gets, if you ever notice when Paul wrote the letters to the, uh, the different churches, he always greeted them with grace and peace. You know, we say, how you doing? Or what's going on? Or what it be like? You know, there's a lot of different goofy stuff we say to greet people, right? What do they say? Grace and peace. Grace and peace unto you. Grace and peace. Well, when he, when, when he wrote it to Paul, I mean to Timothy and Titus, they were going through such a terrible struggle he added the word mercy in there. Did you ever see that before? Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy. The challenge was so, it was like it, they were under attack. I mean, it's the enemy, but he uses people, right? Well, in this situation, in 2 Timothy, uh, he was using uh, the Roman emperor Nero, right? And he was heavily persecuting the church. This is just history. 
I don't know where it comes from, but it's history. Uh, Nero, to persecute by the thousands. See, the, the church grew uh, to a point where there was about 100,000 people in this church. This was the biggest church in the world. And it had influence all of all the other churches. The, the churches that you read about, uh, that Jesus talked about in Revelations, at the beginning of Revelations, those churches, they're all like this around. And Ephesus had all the influence over those churches. They're the one, they got their doctrine from them. They're, they're the ones that had the money, they had the power and all that. Well, uh, even though Jesus said, you, you've lost your first love, he said that to them. Even though they had all those people, just think about it. J the apostle John went to that church. The mother of Mary went to that. Wouldn't it be neat? Wouldn't it, here, Timothy, a young pastor, he's, he's preaching the word, he's looking out. Here's Mary, the mother of Jesus, sitting there. Then you look over here, and here's John, the Apostle John is sitting there listening to you. Well, you better be anointed, right? Yeah. Or be going like this. You'd be hiding behind that. <laughs> anyway, and so they were beginning to be heavily persecuted. So a lot of them, we would say today, hey, I didn't sign up for this. Right? Wouldn't they say that? So a lot of them were running. They were, what are they doing? Running back to their old life. I had an, ah. I had enough. Of a lot of them were dying, being in prison, being beaten. Being, I mean, we, we here the American church, we can't even think persecution. I mean, we might have, I mean, it's not even meant worth mentioning. I can't hardly see. It's almost invisible. You know, that's, thank God for the freedoms we have in America, right? Thank God for that. You know, and there are persecuted things. You know, persecution is the only thing that Jesus didn't bought and buy, uh, pay for 2,000 years ago. Did you ever think of that? You know, he paid for our healing. He paid for us to prosper, to be in health, uh, to have joy and peace, and, and uh, to, to have the Spirit of God within us, and to be delivered from the curse. You know, the list goes on and on, and free from sin, just on and on and on. Heaven's our home, all, just on and on and on and on. But he didn't pay for persecution. And when you begin to mature and you begin to step out and you begin to whatever it is you're doing, and I'm not trying to scare anyone, I'm just, it's like a warning, a warning, especially at the end of the end of the age where I believe that we're going to see more of the greater glory, more of the former and the latter reign manifesting together, more of the love of God being poured out. More, it's like we're getting to church, the body of Christ is getting brighter and brighter and brighter, and the world is getting darker and darker and darker, right? And so, hey, we're on the winning team. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so we're going to have more of the manifestations of the Spirit. It's just more of everything that all that he has. We are, we are. Praise God for that. But with, along with that, we're going to have persecution. And I believe it'll be coming to America too. I do. I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying the way things are looking and the way the people that do prophesy that, that it is coming, it's coming, it's coming. But we can be set free of that. The, these people were. But, but in the midst of that, uh, uh, he wrote this letter to them. And, you know, in one place he even, he was frightened in chapter uh, 1, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 17. And that's where he says about God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So Timothy, even himself, was afraid for his life at one point. Uh, uh, 
and his leaders, the ones that he had invested in, the ones that were finally to the place where he could uh, trust them and they, he could recognize the gift. You know, the pastor can always recognize gifts and grace that are on a people's lives. It's amazing how that is. And then when you're not pastoring, that, that insight, that kind of, you don't, you don't have that like you did. But when you're pastoring a church, you, you can recognize giftings and grace on people's lives. And so that you can what? Come on up, bring them. Bring, and give them, give them opportunity. Give them opportunity to be used in their grace and their gifts. Amen? But so he had invested. There were leadership. Leaders were leaving. They were leaving. They were like, whoa, they're trying to kill me. I'm out of here. You know, they're all, they're all, the whole lot are leaving. By the thousands. Remember, there's 100,000 in here. By the thousands, by the thousands. And so, so the, uh, there, there's something here that Paul, in this letter, and I want to bring this out. This is verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, I think it is. Hallelujah. And it's talking about enduring hardship. Is a good, th- th- this is amazing to me. Yeah, in, endure. Therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So all this is going on that I just described and a whole lot more. I mean, we, I'm trying to get you to get the picture of this. Get the picture of this. So, so then the Apostle Paul sends him a letter and says, endure hardship as a good soldier. Think of that. The little bit of hardship that we have compared to what these folks had. We can endure hardship. See, the Spirit of God... There's a strength, there's a grace. Any time of life, have you all had any challenges in your life? Everybody has had something, right? Everybody in here should be fighting the good fight of faith right now. We all should be fighting the good fight of faith. And when we get victory over one, we don't just go, glory to God. Hey, turn the football game on, man. I want to see what's going on. Give me some pizza. No, nothing wrong with pizza and football. I'm just saying is, we don't, well, well we did that, so we're done, right? We're good. Uh-uh, you're not done. No, you're, he's bringing you up to the next one, right? He, so you're not, see, he, he's, he's um, <clears throat> training you and readying you. And how you did with that one, he's going to bring you up to the next one, to the next challenge, right? We're all there. We're all that. And so we're to fight the good fight of faith with, how, with the word, the word, praise God, and the anointing and the grace and the power that's on your life. But while you're in that, while you're going through that, there's an empowerment within you, an empowerment a grace, a power, a strength, so to speak, to, to see you through and not knock you out of the race. And that the peace of God, supernatural peace, will fill you. Endurance, which is patience. Patience isn't, you know, faith and patience are like twin powers that, you, that are needed, what, to receive uh, the good fight, the, the blessing, whatever you're, you're believing for. Faith and patience. Well, patience isn't like, I'm waiting for him, and he's not here yet. That is not patience. Or, I'm waiting on him. I'm patient. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Uh-uh. Really, we wait on the Lord like a waiter waits on a table. We minister to him, right? But that's not. Patience is endurance. There's a strength. There's an endurance to see you through, to see your faith through to the end. It's like we're tougher than what the enemy is. Why? Because he's defeated and he's under our feet. So we're tougher than he is. 
We can outlast him, praise God. What? With our strength? No. None of this is of self at all. None of this has anything to do with us, except for we're the ones, the conduit, we're the believers, we're the receivers, we're the ones that are obedient, we're the ones that are the golden vessel that we're talking about. We're the body of Christ. See, we, we, need, we need God, right? We're here on the earth, we need God. But really, he's up there, he needs us. We're his body on planet earth. You get kicked out of churches saying that kind of stuff. But not this one, right? No, we need him. We do. But he needs us. He's made it that way. He's the one that's done all this. He's the one that set it all up. So he needs his body on planet earth, right? To, to what? To share the gospel. To use authority. To use the mighty name of Jesus. To pro proclaim this too good to be true. All on and on and on and on. He needs us. And so he works through us by his spirit, right? The ones who will get out of their suke life and begin to open up to what he desires and wants. in our The blessed plan that he has for us. I know the plan, saith the Lord, right? Jeremiah, what, 11, uh, 22, something. Okay, 29, that's it, 29. Yeah, the plans, the blessed plan that he has for all of us, all of us, all of us, young and old, doesn't matter, praise God. <clears throat> so he says to endure hardship as a good soldier. So in the Greek that's talking about, it's three different words, it says, you're not the only one going through this. Many are. It's a terrible, ugly mess. Brace yourself for a fight. And, and it's not talking about a physical fight. It's talking about the good fight of faith. It's talking about, and he's already defeated, but there's a, you know, he's a rebel. He tries to keep rising up, rising up. And so what do we do? We enforce the victory. and we, We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, a job needs to be done no matter what. It's like no matter what. Hallelujah. Every Christian that wants to be mature, committed to pushing the kingdom of God forward. That's what we do. That's on our heart. We're pushing the kingdom of God forward. We're the extension of his love on planet earth, pushing his kingdom forward. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We have to have that mentality. God is calling us to endure hardship as a good soldier. Praise God. It's talking about getting spiritually tough. It's like a strong in the grace in Christ Jesus. Remember, wherever you see an in, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, all that, and it's all over the letters that Paul wrote. You know, Paul, he was uh, uh, a great teacher, one of the best. Uh, and it's because he's the one that had the revelation. The, the, the re and he was called, of course, to the Gentiles. And he had that revelation going. And so uh, it caused him to write a whole lot of the letters to the churches. Well, we're still in the church, right? Praise God. We are the church. The same church that he wrote the letters to. We're still in the book of Acts. We're still, matter of fact, I always say this, that the end of this is going to make the beginning look like a Sunday picnic. Of the book of Acts. Wait, hey, we're going out of here. We're not going to sneak out of here. We're going to go out of here full of power and victory, praise God. We're going out like a rocket when it's the time to go. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. No sneaking. No sneaking allowed. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, where am I at here? I keep going on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
So this, you know, this is the picture. And then he goes on from, from being a, there's three different want things. First, it's the, it's the, uh, the soldier. Next, he goes into uh, being an athlete. And it's, it's the same scripture. It's uh, 2 Timothy 2.5. Paul switches the illustration. This is all illustration. Which, and, he, and he wrote that to, to, um, to Timothy. I wonder what Timothy thought about that when he read that. And then he goes in and he's saying, a man uh, involved in an athletic competition, committed full-time, professional, determined athlete. So he's saying that's what you got to be. First, you got to be a good soldier. Then you got to be an athlete that's committed, committed to the task. He, you have to want to win the fight that you're in just as much as the professional athlete wants to win whatever the game it is they're in. Meaning, and remember, they fought to the death, right? Their sports wasn't like our sports. They fought right to the death. Praise God. <clears throat> so he's saying that. He, he's, he's comparing it to that. Are you willing to be as committed to uh, fighting as you would, as an athlete would to the spirit? It's it isn't easy. None of this is easy. Uh, you know, but when everything's going good, and there are times, and this, this isn't this persecution that we're talking about here, this uh, maturing and growing, and then challenges coming up and how to handle them. Uh, this isn't all the time. There are so many times in our lives when things are well, things are going good, and we're and praising and thanking him and shouting and celebrating and promoting the kingdom and our giving and you know life is good praise God we're, we're we're blessed and we're enjoying the goodness of God in the land of the living there's many many times like that but but when a challenge comes is it going to knock you out of the race that's what we got to think of. you know it, it's like uh it really shows us where we are in our faith it really shows us where we are in our commitment you know, it, it showed them. I mean, who would have thought that the leadership of this church, the greatest church in the world, they would be running scared because of the persecution started? Who would have thought that? Well, I would never. Yeah. Well, what happens when they start? You know what I'm saying? They, they were, uh, it showed them where they were. Hallelujah. And so, uh, so it's easy when everything's going good, but it, things aren't always going good. Things, things can turn around very quickly. And so it's a matter of being faithful. Can you still shout the victory in the midst of the challenge? Can you still celebrate? Can you still hang out with believers? Can you still have that joy, that, that, that harvest of the Spirit rise up big within you in the midst of it all? Can you still have that? Praise God. That's the thing. It's got to be real. It's got to be truth. It's got to be you uh, uh, lending yourself, giving yourself uh, to the things of God. Just like, and, it, and this talks about that scripture, doesn't refer to the rules of the game only, but to the training and the preparation that professional athletes went through uh, before the game even started. Just like sports, for example. I don't know if you've watched very many sports at all. Some folks watch football, baseball, whatever, basketball. And so we're, if you're watching professional sports, 
you're looking at the cream of the crop. You're looking at these people who have spent decades practicing and in training and in games. All to, some of them were like this big when they started, right? So now they've grown up. Now they're, they're, they have a, a gift in them and they're professionals, professionals. And so when we watch that and just go, oh yeah, that was a pretty good game. Like we just, we're used to it. We just take it for granted. Well, this is the, this is the best of the best. Look at the Olympics. They spend their whole you know, growing up, the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of, of training so that they can possibly make it into the Olympic Games. And then from there, to win a medal of some kind, right? Hallelujah. So, so the same thing here is that the, it's the, the dedication, the commitment, the separation from the world, all these things, praise God, has to do with that. All of it has to do with that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's it really, it's um, that what Paul was saying here to Timothy, uh, and, and it's really something to look at, is opportunities to see that faith and develop themselves to handling the greatest tasks that are still ahead. So when you're going through a challenge, it's an opportunity to use your faith the faith that's already within you, the God kind of faith. It's an opportunity to use that faith so that, so that it, you can get victory and then it sets you up for the thing that's ahead of us. Right? Do you see that? It sets us up for that thing that's ahead of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, 2 Timothy 2.6. He goes into another one. And here... He's talking about the farmer, the husbandman, the farmer. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Okay, the husbandman there is a farmer, but it's not just a farmer like we see farmers, like they're out now tearing up the ground all over and, you know, on these $100,000 tractors. They're really doing good. This is a farmer that it's talking about laboreth. It's talking about in the very hottest part of the year, which around here would be July or August, right? The very hottest part of the year and the very hottest part of the day. This man is out there, what? He's plowing and sowing, plowing and sowing. Can you imagine the sweat, the energy, the sweat, the, the struggle, the, the determination that it takes to keep plowing and sowing? He gets to the end of the row, he turns, and starts another row, plowing and sowing, plowing and sowing. The hottest part of the year, the hottest part of the day, what, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, plowing and sowing. That's what that says there. That's what that is. And see, what all these are is, is uh, us, as we mature, that regardless of the challenge, that we'll not give up, we'll not quit, we'll be there will be there, just like this farmer right here. And so it takes that. It's talking about a work ethic. He, all these have to do with our work ethic. And it's the spirit, not, not in the natural. It's the spirit of us. 
It's the Spirit. We'll not be denied. We'll not quit. We're strengthened. We'll receive the grace, the power that it takes to move forward, to promote the kingdom, to continue on in the, in the, the giftings, the grace, regardless of persecution, regardless of challenges, regardless of trouble, regardless of what happens. We're going to push forward. We're going to continue on. Hallelujah. And there's promises for that in manifest. And like I said, this isn't our whole Christian life. This is just times. And these are extreme examples. Because in the American church, this is like, what is he talking about? Because there isn't even hardly any persecution even going on right at this point, right? Thank God for that, right? Who wants to be persecuted, right? Hallelujah. So he, he supports... It supports to a farmer who labors in the heat of the afternoon sun during the hottest days of the year. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then he goes on to say, if you're going to reap a harvest, you have to get out there in the field and do the job. The husbandman that laboreth must be this is, this is the promise. The husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. This is God's personal promise to the believer. Hallelujah to the believer. That's the one who we're talking about. You know, we're, we're sons of God. We're not servants. We're sons. But that's the position that we're in. Old covenant, they were servants. New covenant, this side of the cross. We're temples of the Holy Ghost, the naos of God. But but we're sons of the living God. But when it comes to ministry, the word ministry means to serve, right? So we're, we serve, but we're still sons. We're not servants, but we serve. We're sons that serve. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that good? We don't lose our sonship. No, but we serve. We yield. We serve to the grace, the gifts that's within us. We give ourselves to promote the kingdom of God. We give ourselves. So let's put all this together. If you, this is a 2 Timothy 2, 3 to 6. If you will fight like a soldier, if you will prepare and com compete like an athlete, if you will put your heart and soul into working in your field uh, uh, the way hardworking farmer does, here is what I, this is I, this, this is, what is this? This is God through the Holy Ghost. And of course, Paul wrote it down. I will do for you. I will establish an, a permanent rule, one that can never be changed, altered, or modified. Are you ready to hear this? This is a promise. Remember, there's 7,000 of them. Well, this is the promise for the one that's, that's what? Waited, praise God waited with the word of God alive in them, waited, would not be denied, would not be denied, and then the manifestation came. You know, you could even compare it to if you weren't even being challenged. Just when you, uh, in Mark eleven twenty three, when you believe that you receive when you pray, right there is when you switch on the switch of faith. Amen. Right there, it's like, I got it. Well, can you see it yet? Uh-uh. Where's it at? It's in the spirit. But you got it. I got it. I got my healing. Amen. He bought and paid for it. I got it. Whatever it would be. I got, it's mine. I own it. I got it. So that, because right then, that's when the enemy does what? Machine gun bullets. Yeah. You ain't got it. You're dead. 
You're going, this is happening. You better go to the hospital. Look at your arm. Look at your this. Look at your that. You know, on and on and on and on and on and on. Now, before you do that, he doesn't do that. Why? Because there was no faith extended. If it was just like, oh, God's got this. You know, everything's good. He's working all things out for the good. And he is, but not in that sense. But so anyway, but the point is there, this promise right here, if you can own this promise, then in challenges, in difficulties, in situations, in persecutions, hallelujah, that we're going to see what he has to say about this if I ever read it. I've established a permanent rule that can never be changed, altered, or, or modified. And I am making it a top priority and a necessity that when your battle, the good fight of faith, is over, and you've proven yourself to be a good soldier when your spiritual opponents are defeated. See, they're already defeated, but you enforce the victory over them, right? They're already defeated. And you've won the competition. And you've plowed your fields. And your crops begin to grow. Hallelujah. And mature before your eyes. You will, you will, it says. You will eat before anyone else does. The sweet fruit of success, of victory. Hallelujah. Believers who are living and fighting by faith to see a certain victory, we can claim God's promises that a day is coming when you will eat. You will eat the sweet fruit of victory. He will, he will, you'll see the manifestation. Hallelujah. You'll be blessed beyond measure. Turn, turn to John, or put that up here, John 16.33 out of the Amplified. 16.33 out of the Amplified, if you would. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, there's so many folks that quote about a piece of this scripture. Well, you know, in this world, we're going to have tribulation. Like, yeah. I have told you these things so that in me you will have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you're going to have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. See, that's what we're talking about here. Challenges of all kinds. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world... Listen to this. Yeah, Jesus overcame the world, but I have deprived it, that's the world, of its power to harm you. And I have conquered it for you. Did you ever see that before? You got to own that scripture. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have trials. We're going to have situations. We're going to have troubles. You know, a lot of times, you know, you hear that said, but that's just a piece of that. That's only a piece of that. And then it says, well, yeah, Jesus overcame the world. Yeah, yeah, but I have deprived it of its power to harm you. He's already done that. That's a finished work that he accomplished 2,000 years ago. So this world has nothing on us. Hallelujah. And so if you'll stand up and declare it and speak it and own it, hallelujah, what are you going to do? You're going to receive it. And I don't, we don't know if it'll be today. But it's going to be, it'll be soon, it'll be someday. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I've got a whole lot more of this. Where am I at with the clock? 
because I want to switch gears again and get into this situation that Paul, see Paul uses, that was Paul writing, of course, to Timothy, but Paul himself, and this has to do with the word, I, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 4.1, let a man so account of us as of ministers, here we are again, ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of, of, of God. I like it what it says, it's, it's uh, ministers of the stewards of the mystery of the sacred, one translation says sacred secrets of God. Think of that, that we're ministers of the sacred secrets of God. You can get it in a place in him where he reveals by the word through the spirit sacred mysteries, sacred secrets, and we become stewards of those. We, we steward those. It, it, it just thrills me. So Paul goes on to talk about him speaking to himself, about himself uh, as criminals of Christ. And it, here again, it's a work ethic again, our work ethic. So, so when, you know, a lot of people have a good work ethic and some don't. But if you allow the Spirit of God to take over, he'll increase that work ethic in you. He'll increase it. He'll strengthen you, empower you. Uh, you know, we have all wisdom and knowledge in Christ Jesus, and that'll begin to come forth from you. It's, it's just, the, it goes on and on and on. But, but he, here he's talking about uh, the criminals of Christ, and he's talking about the ships where they lived, and what, these criminals, and he, he goes into talking about him, uh, he's talking about himself being an apostle, it's like he's a criminal of Christ. And what they did was, back in that day, they took the criminals and they put them in the bottom of the ship, in the very bottom of the ship. And they were five to a seat back then, a bench. And they chained them there. And their job was to row, row, row the boat. And so what they did was, there was a square hole and there was a guy with a drum and the captain would bark out orders. You know, they became the engines of the ship. The engines of the ship. And so, he would want to go somewhere, right? Let's go. And he wanted to go fast. So the drummer would begin to beat on the drum. Boom, 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 boom. And as he beat on the drum, the rowers would row the boat, right? They would row, 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 row the boat. He kept the time. They rowed the boat. They rowed the boat. And so Paul, what he's doing here is, he's saying, in the spirit... That's what I am. I'm a criminal of Christ in the spirit. That's the work ethic that it, I have to t it takes or I have to have what for the call that's on my life. And see, like I'm saying on and on and on, that, that it's not him. It's him. It's the Holy Ghost in him, strengthening him in power. And we know all the things that he went through in his word. Remember, he was left for dead. He was shipwrecked, I don't know, several times. He is uh, beaten with rods. You know, it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. All that he went through. But in the end, what? He came out in victory, right? Every time. Came out in victory every time. Hallelujah. So we can't even think about that as kind of persecution. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Rowing. Hallelujah. You know, in the same way, the body of Christ, if everyone tries to, to row on their own, the, 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 row their own way, no unity, there's a whole lot of energy, but the ship don't go anywhere. There are churches that way, the body of Christ, in the body of Christ. They're doing a whole lot of rowing. Everybody's rowing the way they want to row, right? They don't, 
See, the pastor has the vision. It's been given to him. He's got the vision. So we row, what? In time with his vision. However that goes. The grace, the gifts, the calling that's all on your lives. You what? Catch, you have your own personal vision. But it needs to what? Be hooked up with his vision. So that we can all row. And so there's energy and we get somewhere. Right? We go somewhere. And Jesus is glorified. And so you take the rhema word. A commitment, it, it calls for commitment and unity. You take the rhema word that's spoken and it moves the church or moves the ship. Combined effort moves the ship. In unity is where love abounds. Unity. So that's when the, you really sense, and I sense that in here, you really sense in churches or not, whether there's the the presence of God being poured out. Where there's one thing that is good is there's unity. Where there's division, the Spirit of God pulls back. Because you wind up in strife and all that, and then it goes there. But but he's saying there is, and he's comparing himself, he's comparing himself to uh, uh, his work ethic. And he goes on again in 1 Tim 4, 6-8. Put the brethren in remembrance that's talking about crawl underneath them continue to crawl underneath the brethren to what to build them up to edify them to teach them to talk to them to share with them to have an encouraging word to pray with them always be under them building them up we're all to do that with one another to exhort one another to have to share you'll get a word in season you you lend yourself to this you'll have a word in season that, that don't mean you're prophesying to everybody i'm just saying you'll have a word that uh, they're talking and all and you're you're listening to them and all of a sudden you're listening to the holy ghost inside and then when they're done you say well and then you just say something real simple and it'll be exactly what you're doing you're cross so we never end that that never ends in the body of Christ. We're always to crawl under. And that's what that's talking about right there. Crawl under. Crawl under the body of Christ. Crawl under the brethren and build them up. You know, in, in, in America, in the natural world, what? The leaders, what do they do? They lord over the top of you, right? Hey, I'm climbing the ladder. They'll get out of here. I'm, hey, you're, you're stopping me from climbing. I need to be successful. I got to be the president, you know, or, that, or whatever of the company you know I'm, and so they got to beat people down so that they can go up in the body of Christ it's just the opposite we're the ones underneath building them up all anyone all the who's the young ones or the whosoever's anyone that you can encourage and lift up and edify you're underneath them building them up that's what Paul's talking about right there to crawl under them crawl under hallelujah and see he modeled that in first Thessalonians 2 8 so being affectionate desires of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because we were dear unto you. And so what he's saying there is, is that I don't just come and just preach. Well, I, I do do that, but I'm with you. I'm modeling the gospel. It, it's like my life speaks what I'm saying. You know, to know the Word is, is not just known and up here. I talked about that last week. To know the Word of God is, is, is to be so one with that Word that your life, it comes forth from your life. That's the, part, that's the Word that you know. It's what's showing up in your life. 
You, you can quote a bunch of scriptures and ah, you can memorize. Oh, well, the word says, all right. Well, that's wonderful. Thank God. Keep saying it. Keep doing it. But the, the real word that you really know is what people can. It's what people can see in your life. And it's not just in these four walls. It's when you're at work. When you might be the only full gospel Christian in the plant. And there's 500 people looking at you every day. And they're watching you. Your life. Hey, they're reading your life. Once in a while you get to share something. But they didn't pay you to walk around and preach. They paid you to work. Right? I spent 40 years at Generous Motors. So I'm speaking from experience. And there'll be times when all of a sudden you'll be sitting at a break table. There might be six, seven people there and the Holy Ghost show. And man, they're like sponges. And you can just share and you'll have a word. You can just share and share and share and share. And all of a sudden the door shuts just like that. And so they're reading your life more than they are your words. And the life they're reading is when you got this book living inside of you. And it's, it's the character of Jesus is what they're, that's what they're seeing. They're not seeing you. They're seeing what's in you, yep. right? And so that, that's what that's saying there. Hallelujah. That's what he's saying. He modeled it. He spoke it. He preached it. He taught it. Then he, mod, then he lived it in front of them. Jesus did the same thing, of course. Of course. With signs. He was, Jesus was bringing a kingdom in. A new covenant, a kingdom that they had not, didn't know anything about. Well, here Paul is speaking. He's modeling this uh, in front of the church, the body of Christ, the believers, and the whosoever's that are out there that would have a ear for the gospel, right? So that those scriptures in Second Thessalonians two eight. Then he goes on in. Um, thank you, Lord Jesus. He goes on in. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 7. For yourselves know ye ought to follow us. Follow there means mimic. He's saying mimic us, mimic us. What is that mimic? Mimic is, Paul is saying, study my life, my deeds, my actions, so that you can understand how to put it into your life. Watching the word work in Paul's life made the message much more powerful. See, it wasn't just the preach, it was, okay, this is the truth. Do you have a heart for truth? Here's truth. Now let me show you truth. Here it is. I model it. Watch me. Mimic me. Do what I do. And what? And so it made, it made the whole thing so much more powerful. Hallelujah. And, the, and we can all ask the Holy Ghost. See, this is, this is what we're talking about, doing the Word. This is the do, what started this, this message. Doing the Word. Be a doer of it. Praise God. It's not a Sunday and Wednesday thing. It's a life thing. It's, all, it's like I exchange my life for your life. The Zoe life. Now, the Zoe life of God lives within me. In all of my mess, all of my whatever it would be, I've given it to you. So I don't have that any longer. I'm dead to that, right? Now I'm alive in Him, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Alive in Him. Hallelujah. And so... I'm sure this is getting long. So there, there I have.
I didn't pr bring that the way that it was within me. Uh, but I pray that some way or another that the Spirit of God would use some of what was said to cause you to have a more of a hunger, more of a zeal, more of a we can have all that He has. We can. We're the ones that hold it back for one reason or another. We can have it. He's so, he's so wonderful. Hallelujah.